Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. We're grateful that you've chosen to join us today. My name is Ed Taylor. I am the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, where Calvary Live originates, right here from the studios of the Grace FM Radio Network, uh, which uh, comprises, you know, network sounds uh, like a great, uh, like really exciting, and it is. It's two stations uh, and online, but with our two stations, God has enabled us to cover 80% of the population of Colorado, give or take. Last time I did the math, uh, we are heard from Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, south of of Colorado Springs. So I want to shout out to everyone listening on Grace FM I also want to shout out to everyone listening on Hope FM Radio Network, Truth FM, and the Radio by Grace uh, Radio Network, which is the largest uh, that carries Calvary Live. So we want to welcome you. We are so grateful to get calls from all over the country. Um, We've got people listening in Hawaii as well. Shout out there. Uh, Also a shout out to Ukraine. Uh, I've got this picture coming up. I mean, you're looking at uh, Nebraska, California, Washington. Um, I can't see. The letters are much too small, but wherever you're listening, uh, we see all the dots around the states. Uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Here's how you get on the air. Uh, you can text me at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. That's for texting only. Or you can call me. That's the best way. That's what the call the show's about. We're on the air. We pray together, talk about the things of the Lord together, uh, and uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, that The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and uh, that number is good anywhere in the United States. Uh, you can call it with the right codes anywhere in the world uh, and get on the air with us. Uh, remember, right now, uh, with the exception of Grace FM, everyone's listening to this one week delayed. Uh, one week delayed. We're working right now on sub- technology to go live on Radio by Grace, uh, and we want to go live on the other stations uh, when it's possible. Uh, but here's the thing. If you're listening, you can call while the show's on. You're going to call. You're going to talk to the to the host. Uh, the host is going to answer your question just like you're on the phone with them. And then you get to tune in the following week and hear your phone call on the radio, which is kind of kind of cool because uh, anyone that calls in doesn't hear it that way. You hear it like you're on the phone, uh, and that's how we're talking. So at any rate, Calvary Live coming to you from the studios in Grace FM. 70-degree weather today in Colorado in December. That's what I'm talking about. That is the way it always should be. By now, it's freezing cold and so much snow on the ground, but not this year. And believe me, we accept it. We receive it. We are happy about it. 
303-690-3000. Here's a text that came through right at the top of the hour. I'm struggling with something. Uh, my mom had a conversation about reincarnation. She's trying to explain this book she read that the scientists said uh, people had memories that weren't necessarily there because of the age of the person, on and on and on. Um, reincarnation, first of all, email me, and I'll send you an article on this to help you with some biblical uh, truths and verses, but reincarnation is not true. It's not accurate. Um, people can make things up in their memory. I mean, if you think about the scientists, all they're doing is listening to a person that says they have a memory. It's not like they're getting into their head and pulling the memories out. They're talking to a guy. Oh, I remember when I was, uh, you know, in uh, the year 200, uh, digging a ditch, you know, and it's just all nonsense. It's not true. Um, you know, the, the idea that information gets in our head, it can get in our head from a movie, it can get in our head from a book, it can get in our head uh, talking to somebody, but reincarnation uh, is, is not biblical, it's not real. Uh, it is not something that the Bible um, teaches, and uh, but it is it is one of those things where you know people are like, oh man, maybe I'll get another chance, right? That's where reincarnate um, has the idea of I'll I'll get another chance, and, and things are so it, it's sort of like this false hope that. Maybe in the future, you know, it's it's an answer for the difficulties of the day, right? That that really, it's a belief system that reflects uh, some hope for the difficulties of the day. And what I mean by that is, just say it's been hard, it's been difficult. Um, I think the longer any of us live, the harder things get. Uh, you know, I can look at my own life. God has been very gracious to me, but there was a whole season of my life where I, I brought a lot of pain and suffering upon myself and my family and those that love me, and even society um, because of my sinful behavior. So there's a whole block of time that was just disastrous. And then not too long ago, eight years ago, you know, my son passed away, uh, and that's a very challenging, hard thing to endure. And, and then the all of the difficulties and drama that continue to surround uh, the passing of my son, that's not fun to endure. So think about it. You know, you look at it and go, well, maybe... Maybe in another life, I'll have a better one. You know, that's really the thought. Um, that maybe in another life, I'll get another chance to right my wrongs and enjoy and not experience so much pain and suffering. That's one way of looking at it. And then another way of looking at it is uh, looking back and saying, well, you know, I had a better life. Uh, I had a better life before. And look at me and look how important I am. Um, I was this and I was that and I had this responsibility and all of, so you can look back and say, oh, I was so much, I had such a better life. And, and it's not, it's not biblical. The Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die. And we read that really fast, but I want to emphasize the word wants and then the judgment and we have to give account for our lives. So email me. I want to send you this um, short little article and I know that it will help you answer your mom. Um, and it's too bad she's reading that. I, w I hope she would stop um, because it's just going to confuse her. It's not biblical. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We're going to head over to Pennsylvania. Adrian's on the line. Adrian, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, you're on the air. Okay. So my question was for offense 1552. 
And it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, and corruptible, and we shall be changed. So my question was, where do you go after you die? Is your body, if you go up to heaven, how are we being raised from the dead, from the ground? And the people that do die before the trumpet sound, where are they, or where is their spirit? That's a great question. Uh, when you're reading through in 1 Corinthians 15, um, it actually is describing there in verse 52 the process of a generation that's not going to die, so that we shall not all sleep. Uh, in verse 51, uh, it says, "We will, but we shall be changed, is reflecting, I believe, biblically of the doctrine of the rapture of the church, where there's a generation that won't experience physical death uh, like like most have throughout history, but rather at the at the instant of the coming of Jesus for His church, those believers that are alive uh, will, in a moment, the twinkling of eye, the the last trumpet, uh, will be brought into the presence of the Lord. Um, there's a lot of debate on the rest of your question, um, let, but but in the debate, let's just talk about some things first that we know for sure. Uh, number one, we know for sure to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's an absolute truth in the scriptures. Uh, and the reason that's an important one is that we know that the moment that we die, you know, in the instantaneous um, moment of, you know, our last breath will, will then lead to our first breath, if you will, in the presence of God, which leaves the concern about the body and whenever you read about the resurrection in the scriptures, it always does refer to the body. Uh, there is a the, the eternality of the soul and the spirit uh, is different than the body, and and so the resurrection of the body uh, that's where all the debate comes in. And I believe when you speak of when we speak of the resurrection of the body, when the dead in Christ arise, it's the re, it's the renewal and the resurrection of the body to be back and reunited in the newness of the spirit that's already in the presence of God. Okay, so it's not like a literal sense you're going back in that body, but you're getting a new one. <laughs> that body will be. It's a and, and the neat thing, especially in First Corinthians fifteen is that the new body is a one-to-one -one correspondence to your body, right? Remember what Jesus, Jesus was raised, he's the prototype. Uh, everyone that, that we would refer to resurrection prior to Jesus was not a real resurrection, not, not in the f fullest sense, right? Because they died again. You know, you think of Lazarus, uh, he came back to life in the same decrepit body that he died in, and he died in that body as well. So it wasn't the kind of resurrection that Jesus is the prototype of. He's the beginning of. He is the first fruits. And you'll remember with his resurrection, uh, the body remained in the tomb and he was reunited, or the body, Jesus left in, his new, in the newness of his body. And, and the body was changed, but at the same time, it was in many ways similar because he still has the he still has the injuries in his hands from, or in his wrists from the nails that were given. So there's a one-to-one -one correspondence to that body. So you won't be getting like someone else's body or something that was made, but you're going to get a remade heavenly body that's made for eternity. Okay, thank you. That answered my question. No, that's a great question. Thanks for calling. Bless you guys.
303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, great opportunities um, to grow in the grace of God. I mean, that really is why we do the program. What was on our heart many years ago when God entrusted to us Grace FM. We just wanted to talk and get pastors out from behind the pulpit, uh, which is where we live most of our lives, and right here on the forefront uh, of conversation and just talking things through uh, to a wider audience. So thanks for being a part of it. 303-690-3000. Coming back to Colorado, Mike in Eaton, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good. Good. Mike, what's up? Well, it has to do with Christmas, of course. Um, how do you address people that say that we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas, that it's a, it comes from the pagan roots, that it's all a pagan holiday that the Catholics just adopted in? And then a lot of people use a verse in Jeremiah 10 that says, you know, don't go into the forest and cut down a tree and work it with an axe and decorate it. Sure. Well, those are great questions. You know, I think that we answer them head on. You know, we answer them head on in full honesty. And there certainly are pagan roots uh, to Christmas. There certainly are pagan or Roman Catholic type of adoptions or, you know, even the, the, the sense of trying to take common holidays and Christianize them for the sake of communicating the truth of the Bible. Um, so I wouldn't minimize some of those things. But I, we, also, we, we need to step back, though, and say, well, what do we do? For example, anyone that would take you to Jeremiah 10 and talk about what a sin it is to get a Christmas tree, I would make a suggestion biblically, even from the context of Jeremiah, that what he's describing is something that is done specifically in pagan worship. And so I would ask someone, um, I would ask someone that's critical of Christmas, do you celebrate, are any of the celebrations of Christmas pagan to you? Are you worshiping a pagan god? Are you thinking of paganism? Are you resisting God? Like, if you're celebrating something in and for paganism, then stop it. That's a sin. Um, it doesn't make the celebration a sin. Uh, it, it makes the motive uh, the sin. And we want to we want to be able to say if we're going to be if we're going to take that approach. And say, well, you know, Christmas has the roots in paganism, Saturnalia, and all. Then, and I'm not going to participate. Then, don't say the names of the days anymore either. Don't talk about Monday. Don't talk about Sunday, um, because each of the names have a pagan root to them in our own English language and on our calendars. And and yet, we can say Sunday, right? We can even call it the Lord's Day. We can even call it the day we worship. It, we we could say a lot a, a lot about the day, but we're not saying it in a pagan way. Um, and I think biblically there's a there's another way to handle it than just assigning, well, you know, it's pagan, so we don't do it, or I'm not going to do something that's not patently Christian, which also can't you can't be consistent uh, in that viewpoint because there's a lot of things we do that are not patently Christian. Um, they're only Christian because we're Christian and we're participating in them. You know, I think of playing, watching my boys and my daughter play baseball and softball. There's nothing patently Christmas, Christian about the uh, the sport of baseball, except it is the best sport, but there's nothing uh, patently uh, Christian about it. So it's neutral. But I I could my kids could play uh, that sport in such a way that would glorify God, 
and they could play that sport in such a way that would glorify the devil, I guess, in some way. I don't know how, but they could. Uh, and, and that really is the essence. But coming back to Christmas, I think it's important that we have the conversation, that I listen to someone, and, and I, 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 I really want to affirm someone's convictions. If they truly have uh, a conviction, I'm not going to talk them out of it. Um, I will respect it. Um, I will, um, I will, I will respect it. Uh, I can disagree with it, but I'll respect it. Um, but I'm reminded of this verse in Romans 14, verse five, it says one person esteems a day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. And he who gives thank God thanks, and, and, and he who does not eat to the Lord does not eat, gives God thanks. He's, he's basically saying you have the freedom to exercise however you want to worship on any day, any way you want. And, you know, I've shared this story before, Mike, that, uh, that in the early days as a parent, I was a really legalistic parent. I was very hyper careful about how I raised my kids because I was afraid and my main motive, I mean, I did want to glorify God, but my main motive in those early days is I didn't want my kids to turn out as bad as me. And so I was super strict. I'd read a book on cartoons and their their devilish influences, and I'm, okay, that's it. We aren't watching any more cartoons. And, you know, I kind of did that for a few years until the Lord was teaching me how to disciple my kids. And because they've got friends that are watching those same cartoons. Um, so how about I just use the cartoon to disciple them and teach them about what they're seeing and you know teach them that that adults make cartoons you know i i changed my whole view and the the, one, the reason i'm sharing that is because we took a real hard stand against santa claus uh in our family in the beginning uh and primarily because my pastor did and i was learning from him and we took a very strong stand but if i was raising my kids all over again i wouldn't be so anti santa and what I mean by that is he doesn't replace Jesus. He isn't, um, re, you know, I would teach my kids exactly the truth, the kind of character he is, how you can have fun, uh, but Jesus is the provider of all things. You know, I wouldn't have been so anti. And I think I want to find out where the person's coming from so that I can answer what they're really asking. That's the important part. What what are they legalistic? Then I want to be sure to give them my testimony. Um, do they really have a conviction where they don't even say the days of the week because that would be pagan too? Okay, well then I want to answer that. And do they think that Santa is being you know? Because uh, I I know I would never lie to my kids. So you know, Mickey Mouse is Mickey Mouse. Like I would never lie to them. So is it? So I would listen really carefully, but I was I wouldn't try to to defend it. Um, a day that's, that celebrates the birth of Christ, um, you know, we know it didn't happen in December because of the way the Bible speaks of it. It, it happened in a, a time not in the winter wintertime. Um, so, you know, as long as we're biblically accurate, a celebration is a celebration. Yeah, I agree. And even the Jeremiah thing, I think, honestly, when I read that, I think they're just talking about building an idol. Because that's yes. what they did. I don't think they were decorating I, a tree. I agree. And I think that's an important conversation. You know, it's the same with tattooing, you know, the, where the Bible says, again, there's so much debate on this, but the Bible says, you know, don't mark your names and don't put things on your body for the dead. 
okay, so does that mean you can't have tattoos? Actually, it, it doesn't. It only limits the kind of tattoos. If you're doing it for the dead, to worship the dead, then yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, I agree. Back in Leviticus, yeah. No, very good. You answered my question very good. I thank you so much. <laughs> that helped no. a lot. Good, good. And you know, it's we're we're used to these quick answers and we're used to these especially in these days everybody wants to argue and everybody seems like they're on edge. But if we have a really good conversation about it, you know, we can walk away saying, "Okay, I respect that." You know, you just don't make it some heavy legalistic trip. Don't be judging your neighbor over it, you know. And in Romans 14 it even says, "Who are you to judge another man's servant? He stands or falls before the Lord." And and I I think that a commemorative day to mark such a beautiful time as the birth of Christ. Uh, you know, the world, try, let, let's not, the, one more thing, you know, for those of you guys listening, like it's obvious that the world and the culture that's anti-Christ and anti-God is celebrating for completely different reasons. It's very commercial. It's all about the buck and all. So let's acknowledge that. However, can it be a bridge? Can it be a bridge while everybody's celebrating where we can give the real true meaning of Jesus more than a bumper sticker, you know, more than a little pen we put on and, oh, Jesus is the reason for the seat, you know, more than that. Like, it's the people that ask questions like you just said that are going to come to you go, oh, I can't believe it. Christmas is pagan. Really tell me about it. What do you know? And the, you know, the funny thing is, is that most people, when they say that, they actually don't know what they're talking about. They just heard it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like the Romans one, too. I use that a lot, you know. I mean, I, I won't judge them, you know. Don't judge me, so. <laughs> right. I agree. Well, thank you so much for the answer. Okay, brother. Thank right, you. Bye-bye. All right, 303-690-3000. Coming back now to Radio by Grace, Vanessa in Texas, line three. Welcome to the program. Hey, Vanessa, are you still with us? All right, I'm sorry we missed you. Um, this is a hard one, Vanessa. I hope that you can call back, but I'll read what the call screener said. For her and her husband, they're not able to see their grandchild this year, and it's really hard. Um, haven't seen them since August. Grandchild's parents are not speaking to them. Uh, it is the hardest thing, one, one of the hardest things to endure when your grandchild is withheld from you. And I'm sorry. Uh, it's super, super hard. I have an article uh, because it, it this one hits really close. You know, it hits hard and hits close. So I have an article on my website, edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. By the way, you have to go to edtaylor.org because guess what? Santa Claus owns edtaylor.com. And yes, you did hear me correctly. A professional Santa Claus owns edtaylor.com. <laughs> he does. And uh, you might be surprised if you go there. Go, oh, I didn't know that's what Ed looked like. Nope, that's the wrong one. Edtaylor.org. And you can just put in, I think, grandchild. Uh, and I, I, I copied an article, edited up an article from Elizabeth Elliott on how she ministered uh, to a family that couldn't see their grandkids. It's wrong. Uh, it is sin. It is... Uh, I don't. I I have run out of words to describe how evil and wicked it is to withhold grandchildren uh, from their grandparents, and 
you know, I know that sometimes this comes through and someone will go, but what about abuse? And what, yeah, obviously if you're making a, if someone's making a wise decision to protect their, their kids for some re, some ugly, sinful reason, um, that that's important, right? You want to protect your kids. You don't want to put your kids in any kind of danger, but that's 99% of the times it's not that it is just, uh, unwillingness to walk in the spirit an unwillingness to repent, bad advice perhaps from other parents, uh, bad advice from friends. And then you get so into it that pride takes over and it would have been easier to humble yourself years ago. But the longer you do it, now you just dig your heels in and pride overcomes. And so I'm just going to pray for you, Vanessa. I'm sorry. Uh, Father, I pray for Vanessa and her husband as they're not able to see their grandchild this year. Um, Really hard. Haven't seen them since August. And I pray you'd make a way where there is no way. I pray, God, that you would change hearts, that there would be true humility and repentance and reconciliation. Isn't that your heart, God? You, you've you made us ambassadors, and, and you have made us uh, those that would um, be used to reconcile. And I pray for every mom out there, every dad, every other set of grandparents or siblings that go, oh, you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing, that they would just be under heavy conviction. The conviction of their hardened heart and their sin, the conviction of their manipulations and gaslighting and the conviction of all the little sins, all their gossip and slander and all of it. It's just not good. And it doesn't glorify you. And I pray that you would comfort and encourage Vanessa and everyone else facing this horrific, um, painful separation. Uh, and I also pray for the grandchild, right? Because he's the one suffers by his parents' decisions. And it's unbelievable how a parent could sin against their kids like that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, we're gonna uh, we got a couple open lines, and we'll get to George right after the break. Back in on Hope FM in Baltimore, three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Taking your calls and your questions, and just being open to the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what what he wants to do, you can you know one of the things you learn as you're listening to this show is just how much pain there is. How many people are walking through very difficult valleys right now? And um, let me give a, a quick answer to this text question. You can text me 720-336-0897. What are your thoughts regarding the show, The Chosen? Okay, it's just my opinion. You may not be popular, but I don't like it. I don't like it very much personally because I don't like all the liberties that it takes by telling the story of the Bible. Uh, where the Bible is silent, they fill it in with all kinds of stuff. And I know when it's theatrics and dramatics, you have to fill it in. But when you're dealing with the Bible, I just it just doesn't make me feel good to put words in Jesus' mouth that he never said, or at least never recorded. Obviously, he said a lot more that's in the Bible. I get that. But to watch it and then to see the characters... Um, I did think... I saw a couple episodes. So um, my wife was watching it. I saw a couple episodes. But I don't like the added... Like, like you, when you're dealing with the Bible, I want to stay as exact as possible, but I do understand even in teaching, when you're using illustrations and you're using things to help people understand, I get it. 
I just don't like it. Um, but I thought it was well done, and I thought the couple episodes I watched were enjoyable. Um, but I don't, I you know, I I didn't like it very much, um, so I stopped watching it. It was, I just don't like pe- things being added to the Bible. That's about it. Uh, and I don't think they're doing it maliciously or anything. Um, but if that's the only thing you get from the Bible and that's the only thing you learn, um, you're going to learn it wrong. Uh, because uh, I don't even remember if there's any disclosures um, that, hey, what you're about to read is fiction intertwined with nonfiction, which the nonfiction has the ability to change your life, but you're not going to know the difference between fiction and nonfiction. No, I, it's just hard. Hard, hard, hard. All right, you hear the music. Uh, We're coming up to the first half break, the only break of the show. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. You're tuned in to Calvary Live, whether you're listening online, listening at gracefm.com or our app, maybe you're listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, Radio by Grace Network, Grace FM up and down the front range here in Colorado, our friends out in Boise, Idaho, wherever you're listening, California, welcome to the program, welcome back. Uh, We're in the second half. We have lines open, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. We're going to go over to George, listening on Hope FM in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor, how are you? Good, George. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And thanks for taking my call. I've got two little questions for you, if you don't mind. Uh, the first one, I'm 61 years old, and God called me to preach about two years ago. Uh, started working on my master's degree. I've got one more class to go, and I'll be done that. Uh, do you think that 61 years old might be a little too old to think about being a pastor of a church? No, never. You don't? Absolutely not. Okay. You're not too old. I'm not sure where God wants me to go yet. I know it's full-time ministry. Uh, I love the Word of God, and I am getting some opportunities to preach here and there a little bit. Uh, yes. Leading a small group in my church here in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, second question. I want to ask you something. Uh, what's your opinion on denominations? Well, it depends on what denomination it is, um, but I don't have a general distaste for denominations. I mean, I think even in our own documents here at Calvary Chapel, you know, we're not opposed to denominations as such. We're only opposed to their overemphasis that has caused division in the body of Christ, right? So the idea that we worship differently, the idea that we have a different style, maybe even a different church government, I think there's value in the diversity that denominations bring. But here's my personal, you know, my personal view is, is that when you're looking to serve, you want to look to serve within the fellowship family that you're already a part of. Right, So it sounds like you are serving within your church, and because you've already committed to that church, because that's where God has you, because that's where God's led you, I would encourage you to pursue greater depths of leadership and, and greater depths of, of commitment right there. 
um, because that, you're already there and you're already your character is already known. You've already been tested. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm against denominations that teach falsely. I'm against denominations that say they're the only ones and everyone else is wrong. Uh, I'm against denominations when their structure and function supersede the gospel. Uh, and so you want to be in a church that values the Bible. Uh, I'm biased. So, you know, let's just say it out loud. I'm biased toward teaching the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, making it very applicational that people can live by the Bible. Uh, and and so I'm not opposed to denominations. There's some great value in co-laboring together in a large group, you know. So it just depends on which one they are because some denominations teach falsely and have false beliefs, and I can't support that. Right. right. Well, then there's also the World Church Council. A lot of the denominations are a part of that. That concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would walk in wisdom. You know, I, that's I'm glad I landed in Calvary Chapel. We're not a perfect church. We're not even a denomination, but we are a family. And we're not perfect. We don't get it all right. But there's a lot of great support and encouragement. There's camaraderie and brotherhood. Um, I was discipled in a very large church in Southern California where I was saved. I learned a lot about ministry. And I didn't have the privilege of going. You know, that's where non-denominational independent churches come in because I didn't have the privilege of going to school. I didn't get to go to seminary. Uh, and even Bible college that I attended was, you know, small classes uh, in my church building, and I finished it here in Colorado on my couch, you know, 15 years in, or 10, 12 years into pastoring a church already. And so we really believe that God anoints a man for ministry, that he calls a man for ministry. And we do need to know the Bible, and, you know, we do need to be trained in it. Um, but denominational uh, structures usually require seminary, and they require that kind of training. And, um, that at your age, that may or may not be a possibility. And, you know, I, for me younger, I had a kid already and I was raised, I was a, I was a back, you know, everything started backwards for me. I already had a kid. I had to work overtime. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't just drop everything, and go to seminary. Um, but God chose to train me a different way. Right. Well, that's about where I'm at. I mean, I'm working too, but I'm doing mine through home study. So, okay. I, you know, that's not a problem with all that. And, and I have Good. been ordained. So I'm just trying to just trying to see where God wants me to be at as far as in the ministry, whether it's a pastor, associate pastor. Uh, sure. You know, I kind of come from a whole background of a conservative, very fundamental, uh, Bible-believing, you know, uh, very legalistic in a sense. It's a good church, but very legalistic about some things. And uh, I kind of got away from that just a little bit. Uh, they're very separated on certain things. Uh, if you don't use their version of the Bible, you know, uh, they wanted to preach in their church, stuff like that. And, and I, I just got a problem with some of that stuff. So I kind of got away from that little bit of a situation as far as that kind of a church. I believe the fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith, obviously. But, you know, uh, so I just was trying to find out about denominations and stuff like that, yeah. uh, what your friends was on them, uh, the whole idea about being 61 years old and, you know, just kind of the pastor thing. Not really sure yet. Definitely a full-time ministry position somewhere. The Lord will lead you. Get your opinion. Yeah, he'll take care of you, George. You know, and I think, um, I think that uh, obviously my recommendation would be to to connect with and make an appointment with one of the Calvary chapels that are close to you, and just talk with that brother and pray with him. Um, I have a friend right there in Baltimore, Josh Taransky, 
Uh, he is pastoring a church, uh, um, uh, and he would love. He, this is one of his wheelhouses. He loves to do this. So let me let me look it up here. Baltimore. I think it's just Baltimore Church. Let me see if I can find it here. You got to talk, and yeah, it's called Haven City Church in Fells Point, Baltimore. Okay, I'm actually outside of Baltimore. I'm right actually in Rosedale, which is about yeah. 20 minutes from Baltimore, Maryland, actually. So, okay. But uh, well, I, I know where Fells Point is. That's not far at all. <laughs> give Give the brother a call. Maybe he can connect, and you guys can have lunch. You know, you're not too far from each other, and and just see, pray together. Um, he he is a, a super smart guy. He's in seminary right now and pastoring a great church. Huh. He says it's called, what is it, Haven Church? Haven City Church, yep. Haven City Church in Fells Point. Fells Point, yep. Okay. If you just, uh, as a matter of fact, the website is baltimorechurch.com. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you, Pastor. All right, brother. God bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. I just love that. I love the, I love the desire to serve the Lord. Um, I, I love the, the desire to um, be used, it, no matter what your age is, like God wants to use you. Uh, and those are good questions to ask. Let's get back to the phone lines. I believe we are back to Amarillo, Texas. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello, Melissa. You're on the air. I was just calling, I guess, to get some direction um, with my daughter. She's okay. 31. She's got her own place. Um, yes. She's got both of my grandboys. She's pretty busy, but it seems like she doesn't really do anything at the house. Um, okay. Like things get backed up, washing dishes, throwing the trash. Uh, she's a single parent, so I... I, yeah. I realize all of that i just didn't know how to approach it and looking back she's always had this problem where she just doesn't do anything and i'm not sure i know that it's not my fault um i've Good. been accused of having kind of like an ocd type thing and okay. um i just don't know what i can do other than than pray i don't know how to approach it it's just heartbreaking going to her house and everything is just Well, there's a couple things, you know, I think that first of all, people have that characteristic about them, their definition of clean or what their threshold is, is different. Um, I know my wife is, is a very clean person. She likes things clean and in order. And I know I don't like it that way as much as she does. Um, you know, I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay with a, a level of, of dirt or dust or whatever it might be. And, and so I just say that in the terms of like, I can understand there are differences of how we could view things, but I think that there's a, there's a great opportunity for you to enter into your daughter's life in a different way. Uh, and maybe you've tried this before. It's probably not a new idea to you, but, um, this could be a great opportunity for you to come alongside your daughter in her single parenting, kind of setting aside this is how she's always been. I mean, she's raising kids, working on her own, super challenging, that you may come alongside, you have the opportunity to come alongside of her and help her. And not help her because she's doing something wrong or she's doing it wrong or she's always been this way, 
but just to come alongside and spend some time with your daughter, spend some time with your grandkids and kind of rally the troops on a cleaning party or, you know, or just asking, um, honey, would you, you know, I've got a day off coming up. Can, can I take a, can I take a couple hours and clean your kitchen or can I take a couple hours and, 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 and choose to take the route of blessing with her with the hopes and the intent of really discipling her and saying, honey, your kids need, um, your kids need, and uh, it, it's easy for me to do, right? Because I have no history with your daughter. Um, and so I can step in and go, well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how she grew up. I don't know how she's been. And, you know, whether it's laziness, um, there's a possibility, whether it's tiredness, whether it's a different definition of clean or whether she just doesn't, who knows? It could be something even deeper that's just really discouraging her, um, maybe depressing her with her station in life at 31, single mom. And um, it could be a lot of different things. But as a mom that cares for her like you do, I just see it as an opportunity to come alongside of her without any without any um, criticism, without any like, you know, honey, you've been, always been like this, but just like, you know, I know it's hard. I know you're in a hard season of your life. Can I help and and see what her response might be to that? Because um, I do appreciate how you're describing it. You know, it's not your fault. Um, it's not the way you raised her. These are her independent adult choices. I mean, if it was a sister, so Melissa, if you had to, you know, you're stepping out just a little bit. If this was one of your sisters at church, and you found out, you know, this lady's new to the church. She's a single mom. And you don't know any of her history, any of her background. You just see her dirty house. I'm I'm guessing that it would probably move you to want to help her clean it. It would move you to want to convince her, right? Because ultimately, what we want with your daughter is to convince her that a cleaner house is better for her kids, better for her. It reflects the neat. You know, I, I love how when exercising the spiritual gifts in the church, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said that God likes things done decently and in order. You know, when he was building the tabernacle or giving instructions for the temple, there were very precise, accurate ways. You were to clean things and use things. It, it, all of it was very precise because God is a God of order. And I know that's ultimately your goal. Your goal is that your daughter will improve in this area um, for the sake of her house and for the sake of her kids. And I think if you try to take that approach, it, it may... It may shock her. It may change her. It may, um, she may just say, yes, come and help me. I need the help. Um, I, I currently work from home, so I have yes. the, the privilege of being able to work wherever. I, I, we live in the same town. I do go to her okay. house um, yes. every day, actually, you know, during the okay. week while she's yes. at work and the boys are at school. Um, and That's I actually cool. do clean. Uh, I sometimes even go as far as... Um, you know, make dinner. So um, if I know her schedule and I know that she's going to be busy, uh, she goes to school full time as well. So I know that she's uh, overwhelmed with all of that. Yes. And I get that. Um, but on days where she's got nothing going on, you know, and the boys are with their dad and um, she doesn't do anything. And I think that that's what, that's what it's laziness. And um, yeah. I, I, I don't this know how is... to approach that as, because well, I do help her. This, this is, uh, and so that's good that you describe that because he, here is probably something you're going to have to consider. Um, if if you wanted to come and clean my house, I would let you, uh, and I would watch you, and I wouldn't. Yes, 
you want to cook, you want to clean our house, great. But now what I think needs to happen is it's not you cleaning the house, but we clean the house or we make the dinner. That's the kind of help that she needs. She needs the kind of help where she's participating. Because if, again, I don't know her, so I'm speaking blindly here, but if I'm sitting around, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and I know my mom's going to do it anyway, what motivation do I have? I have even less motivation to clean now. If mom's going to do it for me, uh, then I'm going to let her do it. If, and and I, even the attitude, I mean, I, I have to say prior to being saved, I kind of had this mindset, well, well, if you know, mom, if you want to do it, I got no problem with it. And maybe inside she was upset and frustrated, maybe even resentful that she had this expectation that I would get up and help her. And, but it wasn't needed because she would do it anyway. And, you know, kind of provided the provision for me to continue to be lazy. And, and so perhaps the, the turn of events that could come in ministering to your daughter is it's, and you can still do whatever that you feel like the Lord's leading you to do. Cause I know you're doing it for the grandkids. I know you're doing it cause you love her, but if it's a discipleship process, and it's kind of like here, if I'm discipling men in our church and I, I want to teach them something, if I'm always doing it for them, they're never going to learn. They have to do it with me. And I might do it a few times so they could see it, so they could watch me. You know, that's really what delegation is. I do, you watch. And then secondly, you do, then I watch. And then thirdly, we do and we talk about it. And then fourthly, you do and I watch. And then I move on to the next person. And it just may be this community, you know, that right timing for for her, for for you to say, you know, I, I love to help. I'm I got my life too, honey, but look, we have to do this together. You gotta be an example to your boys. Um and it's just gonna be challenging because I have a feeling she'd be very defensive, um, probably even hurt, hurt feelings and and it's the timing and how you say it's going to be so important. But, you know, if um, if you're always doing it for her, there's not a, a lot of motivation, um, not a lot of motivation to to do it yourself. Okay. Okay. I'll try that then. <laughs> Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. I get the—I I can get the angst of it all because it's just not what— it's not what she wanted. You know, she didn't expect to be 31 and a single mom and having to go back to school. It just sounds so hard. And it is. She tells me all the time, so I'm doing what I can to help her. But, um, you know, I, I kind of have that mindset. Uh, can't help somebody that isn't willing to help themselves because they're going to find themselves in the same situation every time. So, but... I'll, I'll take that approach. Instead of doing it during the week, I'll go on the weekends when she's free, and maybe we can get stuff done together. That's a great idea. And then communicate. As hard as it might be, communicate. And again, it's hard within the family, right? Because we're, we've got history together, so our history can easily um, play into the present. But that's a great idea. I'm not going to do it in her absence anymore. Let's do it together. And he, but 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 one way to get rid of these frustrate, one way to get rid of some of the frustration, is to clearly communicate expectations. Because if you you don't clearly communicate expectations, 
then when the person doesn't live up to them, you get mad at them, but they never really knew them to begin with. Does that make sense? Yes, exactly, because I've experienced that. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think we all have. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. God bless you. All righty. Okay. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions. Let's see. We're going to head back from Texas to New Jersey. Susan in New Jersey. Welcome to the program. Hey, Susan, are you with us? All right. Uh, she had a prayer request. I'm going to pray for her. She commutes 90 minutes each way to work, and she wants a new job that's closer. And I remember my long, I didn't have that long of a commute, but sometimes my commute would be that long with traffic and accidents. But it was more like 45 minutes to an hour every day one way, and it did get tiring. So, Father, I pray for Susan in New Jersey who has this super long commute, um, one way, 90 minutes, on the road at least three hours a day just to drive. And we pray for an open door for you to provide a a job that is closer. Uh, And we pray that according to your will. And and what what Susan could do with that extra time um, not on the road and what she could do with the extra money not paying gas and what she could do in that new place of employment where you would put her with a new group of people so that she might shine the light of the gospel. Glorious, glorious Lord. We pray for Susan for the new job in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Natalie in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hey, Natalie, are you with us? Everybody's gone. Well, this was a great question, at least the way it was typed into our call screen. Do you have to be born again to be saved? Yes. The answer is yes. Uh, Unless a man is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, John chapter 3. Whether you need to believe that Jesus rose on the third day to be saved, yes. And you say, well, why? Well, this is why. Everything hinges on the resurrection. Jesus promised it. He said it would happen. And if it didn't happen, if you don't believe that it happened, and you don't believe the eyewitness testimony, you don't believe the the, the statement of Jesus himself, then you are... You know, you're probably not doing it on purpose, but you're calling Jesus dishonest and lie. You you can't follow, you can't have a God that lies. So believing in the resurrection, yes. Is believing in God enough to save you? No. In the general sense, like, you know how people say, oh, I believe in God, I believe in God. Okay, which God, you know, first in the world that we live in today, we have to ask, which God are you talking about? If you're talking about the God of the Bible, then yeah, you're going to follow Jesus and what he taught and what he said. You must be born again. There's no under name, no other name under heaven by which you must be saved, the name of Jesus. Uh, and do you need to repent and live properly? Uh, yes, repentance is necessary to turn away from your sinful past. But I would define the living properly probably a little different than you in that after repentance comes new life, new relationship, and the new relationship living properly is abiding in Christ. And as you abide in Christ, and like any relationship, right? Any relationship. You spend time together. You talk together. uh, You learn together. As you hang out with Jesus, he empowers you to live a right life. He gives you the desires to make good decisions. Uh, And so, yeah, 
Man, that's a great question. I'm sorry you dropped off, Natalie, but good, good questions. Still here in Aurora. Uh, Dolores, welcome to the program. Hey, yes, Dolores. Good evening, Pastor. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. Um, you know, I just want to commend you. First of all, I know you um, are not a perfect man and you walk in humility. Um, I just want to commend you on how you um, navigate the questions and how you help kind of get people to think about different perspectives. And I know it's the Holy Spirit helping you because there's no way in the world that you're doing this in your own strength. And I just wanted Amen. to commend you. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I received that. And, uh, you know, every every day before the show, we, we pray and... And I really do ask the Lord. I, I want I want the answer that's needed, not only for the person, but also for people listening and and one that will glorify God and honor him by his word. So thank you very much. You're welcome. God bless. All right, bye bye. 303-690-3000. Um Yeah, we have some time, Ross. We'll try to take it. Aurora, Colorado. Ross, welcome to the program. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. I've got a question. In Hebrews 3 and 4, there's a lot of talk about rest. They talk about in, uh, you know, the Israelites were denied the rest, which I'm assuming is the promised land, but does that also mean that they were not, they will never enter heaven? As, you know, and, and then in other parts of Hebrews, I'm assuming rest is. It seems like the word rest means two different things in chapter three context, and four. Yeah, Can you, you shed, shed some light on that. Absolutely, context is everything. You know, when we're reading through, and so you're, you, what what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, is is are the steps of inductive Bible study. You're making all of these observations. You see the word rest used one, two, three, four, five. Um, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine times in the first 11 verses. So you made that observation. You're like, well, what is that rest exactly? Because you've got, you know, he's talking here in, in chapter three about those wilderness wanderers. They, their, their consequence was death in the wilderness. They never did get to enter into the rest of God, which Rest is euphemistic here, or it's, it's metaphoric, I should say, because the rest in the promised land was a time of war and settlement. Like rest wasn't mean they're gonna like go sit on the beach and uh, read a book, right? It's it's the promise. The rest speaks of the promises of God to obey Him and to trust Him. And because they didn't, it says in the end in verse nineteen, they didn't enter in. They didn't get to they didn't get to enjoy the promises of God because they were. Uh, they they were living in unbelief. And then chapter 4, now remember the whole purpose of Hebrews is to remind those Hebrew believers that want to go back to Judaism that they already have everything that they're looking for. They, they, don't, they don't want to go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. You have Messiah. Like you have the rest. Don't be like these guys in the wilderness that didn't, didn't listen to God and didn't believe. And so he... He says in verse 1, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let's not come short of it. Let's continue to move forward and take what God has promised. 
um, and let the example of the children of Israel um, warn us uh, that it's possible to have the promise of God, to have the encouragement of God, to have the future rest. And of course, in the new covenant, rest is so much more broadened, and the, the focal point is not a land, but a person. The rest of the new covenant is the final resting place of faith in Christ. And and so the chapter three and four is like warning them. You got here's an example of a God following people that were given a promise uh, and they didn't take it. And don't be like them because he says in verse nine, there still remains a rest. You can have it. You do have it. Keep following. Keep obeying. Don't go backwards. Verse 11, therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Make it a focal point of your life, a great emphasis so that you don't fall in that same example of disobedience. So the rest here isn't sitting down around reading a book and not having uh, any care or concern. The rest here, I believe, is, is directing us specifically to that abiding relationship with Jesus that they already have. Don't turn away from it. Don't be like the children of Israel. Believe God. Trust him, even in this difficult time, because the rest is yours. Don't follow the disobedient uh, example of the children of Israel that, that suffered because they lived in unbelief. Okay. So will we see the, the Israelites in heaven? I do believe you'll see those that were in covenant with God in heaven, yes. Okay, that helps. Yeah, that the, the old covenant was one that was um, represented by a regular sacrifice, continually over and over again. It was, but they lost their lives in. You've the been listening to Calvary Live. Ah. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word. <laughs>